Hello, San Diego First Church. This is Pastor D. Kelly, one of the pastors at the church. And whether this is your first time joining us or you've been following along in the lectionary all year with us, I just want to say welcome. It's always great to dig into God's Word and just see what jumps off the page as we consider what the Word might be saying to us. This is the time span of June 14 to June 20, with right in the middle of that, our Sunday service on June 18, uh, being the time where we dig in deeper. Um, this is a little bit different of a Sunday in that this Sunday, June 18, we will have uh, a missionary from Brazil as our special guest speaker. I don't know yet the passage that he's going to dig into, but I hope you'll consider taking some time to dig into the lectionary reading that we've been going through. We're kind of in a brief series that takes us into Romans. Romans 4 was last Sunday. Romans 5, the beginning portion, is this Sunday. And Romans 6 will be next Sunday. So I hope that might be part of your week as you read. And that's going to be the passage we look at for first impressions. So as is often the case, I will take the time to read this passage aloud. And hopefully it will wash over you in a good way, that you might hear it fresh, maybe for the first time, but if this is a passage you've read many times, maybe it could just feel like the first time. So this is Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 8. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom God has given us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates God's own love for us in this. While we were still sinners... Christ died for us. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, I wonder if there's anything that came to your mind as you were listening to that. Any phrase or word that surprised you, took you by surprise, or just left you curious? I think that's one of my favorite phrases to use is, I'm curious. And then follow that with a question that helps explore that curiosity. So, I'm curious. The very first word is therefore. Usually that means something went before this. I'm curious as to what that is. Well, if we'll go back where we were a week ago, we'll find that Paul was laying out this very strong argument for how this good news story of salvation, of forgiveness, of redemption, 
that this story is for everyone. The call on Abraham, he was going to be blessed, but it was going to be that through Abraham, all people would be blessed. And there is a description of all nations, which seems to be a reference to the Gentile world. That this is good news, particularly as Paul is writing initially to the church in Rome. Quite a few people who would not understand the Jewish heritage, the Jewish background, the Jewish law, but have been invited into this new good news provided by Christ Jesus. So in the midst of that, he proclaims that Christ has been raised to life, that our sins might be forgiven. Therefore, since we've been justified by believing this, what happens? Well, he says we have peace. What um, an interesting word. I'm curious as to what that might mean. Is it that I feel calm all the time? Soothing music playing in the background of my head? Is it that nothing gets me excited? Or is it that nothing makes me anxious? Is it peace in relationships? Is it peace between nations? Well, I hope you explore what you might think that means. But the writer here says we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So let me take us just for a moment as to where I think that that um, speaks to our journey. And I think we'll learn more about this in um, some of the passages we'll look at in the coming weeks. But he says peace with God, which seems to imply that we were at odds with God. If God is always pursuing us, the question then is, who is really at odds? It seems that maybe we're not pursuing God, or there are actions or behaviors separate us from God. Or we push God away for any variety of reasons, or we don't even know how to pursue God. But the scripture seems to indicate that God is in pursuit of us, longing that we might be reconciled and move into relationship with our Creator. So when we are at odds with God, it seems that our behavior has created a barrier. Our fears have created barriers. The way in which we live our lives maybe narcissistic, very self-serving. We push not only God away, but we push others away. Into this space, we have the promise that God says, your sins are forgiven by what I have done. This breaks down those barriers. So therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we no longer have the barrier of our sin or the barrier of the law, or the barrier of feeling at odds because we don't feel like we line up. It is an invitation to recognize by faith we're at peace with God. God's saying, I have nothing against you. I'm in pursuit of you. And I have provided a pathway to renew our relationship. So this peace is a peace with God 
that allows us to take steps toward full reconciliation, to be in full relationship. But that doesn't always come easily. Often what happens for us, as Paul describes, is that our desire then begins to shift. Shift to try and do those things that are pleasing to God, that display our love for one another and our love for God. However, our natural tendencies, our addictions, our um, patterns of living lead us to a place where Paul describes the things that I want to do, I don't do. And that which I don't want to do, I often end up doing. It seems like there's a battle inside of me. And this battle leaves me in a place where I feel like I'm warring on the inside for fear that God's about to turn God's back on me and I'm going to fail in all of this endeavor. And God once again comes to us and makes this overture of reconciliation saying, I've paid the price. I'm asking that you allow my spirit to work in you so that I accomplish through you the things that fulfill your life in every way and invites us through faith to say, oh God, put at rest the battle, the war, the conflict that's inside me. And God's Spirit promises to do that very thing. And here Paul says, we have peace with God. And we'll find later in Romans that this is a peace within so that the battle is no longer there. We are free. Free to love. Free to be loved. Free to have compassion. Freedom to receive compassion. A peace inside that, as another writer says, transcends all understanding. That's one of the things I'm curious about. wonder if that resonates with you. In the second paragraph, there's something else I'm curious about. It makes reference to Christ dying for us. This is interesting to me and that I have been enamored with John chapter 15, verse 13 where it says, greater love hath no one than that he or she would lay down their life for another. This is that passionate passage of what it means to love others in relationship. And here Paul tells us that it's all preceded by what Christ has done for us. John says the same thing in John chapter 15. But this kind of love is made possible because of what God has modeled for us and done on our behalf so that we might love like Christ loves, laying down ourselves for another. And so this passage of Paul seems mirrored by John in John's passage. We're not absolutely sure which one was written first, but we think that strong possibility that Paul wrote this first And then John watching this principle play out in the life of the community of faith, in the life of the church, begins to describe what he observes as divine love put into practice between people who love each other on earth and give themselves to one another. I I love the connection. I'm curious if you think that's a legitimate connection 
or do you make connections to other passages of Scripture? Finally, I just, as a reminder, this passage moves on to the third paragraph of chapter 5, and then again and again, it makes reference to being reconciled. So I love that this is not just about being forgiven so that I'm even with God. <laughs> that somehow the price has been paid and I no longer have a debt that I have to pay. But in this third paragraph, the consequence of that is, and oh yeah, I'm inviting you to be reconciled, to, to move into relationship. I think of family tensions. We can agree that we don't owe each other anything and not really be reconciled. Nobody has a debt that they owe either party. But reconciliation moves us back into relationship where that family tension disappears and we begin to act like we care and love for one another. That's what Paul is saying God has done for us. Not only forgiven, but reconciled so that we might experience love and then love others. Well, these are some of my first impressions. My hope is you have a dozen others. Spend a little time in Romans chapter 5. See what it might say to you. And whether or not the missionary on Sunday speaks on this passage, we'll come back um, on Tuesday following the Sunday on June uh, 20th, I believe it is. And we'll dig a little deeper into the connections we might find in the other passages for this week. I hope you have a great week. It sure has been fun to be with you, and I look forward to our continued journey together. Thanks.